Amen. Let's give Jesus a great big hand clap of praise. Amen. As you return to your seats. Amen. So good to be here tonight. If you have your Bibles, we're going to go to the first book of Peter. very honored to be here. I thank the committee and everyone that voted on me. Amen. I count it a double privilege and honor uh, to be able to speak here a second time. Amen. And uh, So glad to have my wife and my daughter with me. And uh, so good to see all the preachers. Amen. I want to preach tonight. And the first night is a little tough because everybody's kind of wiggly and wants to move around and so if the ushers could stop uh, herds of women from going to the restroom, uh, <laughs> I'd appreciate it. At least for the first few minutes of my message, uh, I just need your attention uh, for a few minutes and uh, it, it'll just help me a lot. Amen. I, um, I definitely feel a word from God and I've prayed and I've fasted. And, uh, and I, I know that God has spoken to me. So I want to do my best. And uh, I want you to do your best as I preach. So, you know, if you need to get out and take a picture right now of yourself or someone else, uh, just get that out of the way right now. Uh, and uh, help the preacher preach. Amen. First Peter chapter 4, I'll begin reading at verse 1. I'll be reading out of the ESV. Uh, I hope that doesn't bother anyone, but I, I'm just going to read out of it just to add a little bit of, of uh, clarity. All scripture has a certain amount of opacity to it. So, but I, I really want you young people to hear uh, this tonight. And so I think tonight is a special night. I'm looking forward to the next few days, and I hope I can do good for the men that are coming after me. Amen. First Peter chapter four, verse one, say amen when you got it. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. The time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when you, look at your neighbor say, that's you. They are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery, and they malign you. But they will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is why the gospel was preached even to those who are dead. That though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. The end. Everyone say the end. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. And I want to preach to you tonight on this thought, defying the decadence. Can we say that together? Defying the decadence. 
Let's put our Bibles down and go to the Lord in prayer. Jesus, we love you. We appreciate you and we thank you for this time that we are here together. I pray, God, that through the power of your spirit and your word, you would allow us access into your presence. God, I pray in the name of Jesus that there would be a prophetic word that would go forth from these lips in order to empower and enable these young people to live godly lives in these last hours. I pray all these things in Jesus' wonderful name. Everyone said a healthy amen. Amen. I want you to give God a crazy hand clap of praise. you to shake your neighbor's hand look them in the eye say I will serve God the rest of my life and you can be seated in his essay the fate of empires lieutenant sir John Glibb observed that world empires have a lifespan of approximately 250 years and then they begin to decline, if not totally collapse. If Glib's speculations, along with many others, are correct, the United States, which is just a little bit over 230 years old, is entering the final stages of its lifespan. The lifespan of an empire isn't only measured by the amount of years that go by, but by a set of peculiar cycles that transpire. There are six cycles in total that take place during the lifespan of an empire. They are as follows. Pioneering, conquest, commerce, affluence, intellect, and the final is decadence. It doesn't matter whether you are pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, or just tribbing. There's no arguing that the United States has entered the final stages known as decadence. If you don't know what decadence means, the dictionary defines it this way. Moral or cultural decline characterized by excessive indulgences in pleasure or luxury. Once the stage of decadence begins to settle in on a people it becomes very difficult to perceive it because it is the new ethos. It is the atmosphere. And as one man said, we don't know who discovered water, but we know it wasn't the fish. It is hard to see that we are living in excessive indulgences and pleasures because it has literally invaded every strata of our lives. One reason that collapsing empires elude us or they're invisible to us is because they don't resemble living organisms which lose their beauty and luster with time. Strangely enough, empires that are about to collapse are just the opposite. Prior to taking their last breaths, they look the most beautiful. I want you to stop and consider Jesus' sermon on the world system that was around in Noah's day. In Matthew 24 and 36, Jesus says, But as the days of Noah were, 
so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that Noah, for as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating, not dying of hunger. They were drinking, not dying of thirst. They were marrying and giving in marriage, not mourning, until the day that Noah entered into the ark. People in Noah's day, like people today, find it difficult to make sense of a preacher's, amen, doomsday message against the affluence that surrounds them. But I want you to know, young people, that we never, ever gauge what God is going to do next by how good things are going in the world. The world and its affluence is not the barometer for God's next move. In fact, whatever the world is doing ought to let you know that you should probably be doing the exact opposite. I feel bad for any religious group that tries to get its pulse on the world in order to determine how to have revival. Hey, if you haven't woke up yet, the world has a depleting pulse. It's about to die. You don't want to look at it and wonder what it wants. You need to bring life to it. You need to preach something to it that it's never gotten, that it's never got a... We don't need to know what the world wants. We need to know what God wants. We are not trying to minister horizontally. We are trying to minister vertically. We want to know what the mind of God is, what the will of God is. We don't want to know what the will of flesh is. Flesh has always gotten humanity in trouble. I want to preach to you group of young people exactly what the age of decadence is. It is important that you understand it if you're going to navigate through it and live for God the rest of your days. The age of decadence has some rather bizarre and unique characteristics, amen, that all of us should acquaint ourselves with. Number one, the age of decadence is marked by the fact that everything is for sale. Even things that should not be for sale. Amen. I, uh, in Southern California, Brother Booker, you can, you can go to prison. And if you don't like hanging out with your new roommate, you can actually pay a little bit of extra money to get a cell upgrade. We are making a mockery of justice. The roles, I, I'm reminded of the story, the parable that Jesus uses about the widow, amen, who, who, who bugs the, the, the unjust king night and day for justice. We are living in a day and an age where the, revol where the roles are reversed now. We are the unjust kings. And God is the widow who is pleading with us every day for justice, saying this is wrong, this is not right. You cannot do this, knocking on our door day and night. You have got to wake up, young person. God is trying to get through to us in these final stages in these last days in these I hope that by the time I'm done preaching if I do nothing else I awaken you I awaken you uh, to the reality that God is demanding something uh, out of his people and out of this world uh, and we've got to give it up uh, we've got to do exactly what he wants uh, exactly the way he wants I'm telling you tonight 
Anything is for sale in the age of decadence. People are for sale in the age of decadence. People should never be for sale. There are some things that should never go on the market. We've gone from a market economy to a market society. But let me tell you something. What's good for the market isn't always good for morality. And what's good for money, something you need to understand about money is it does not have morals. Morals need to be imposed upon it. You need to tell your money what to do, not let your money tell you what to do. This is why Jesus said, give to Caesar what's his and give to God what's his. You need to put a boundary around that money. You need to put borders on those dollars and say, this is where you're going. This is where you're going. You are not telling me where I'm. There was a woman in, there was a woman in, I I believe it was Utah. She, she, she sold her forehead to an online casino so they could permanently tattoo their logo on her forehead just so she could have enough money to send her kid to college. This is the age of decadence. My biggest challenge here tonight, and I could already feel it and I'll address it right now, is that there are flocks of people here that think I am over-dramatizing this. I am not over-dramatizing. I am not preaching for a shout. Brother Prado was raised in a home missionary's church. I can preach to chairs all day, honey. I don't preach for shouts. I appreciate you shouting, but that's not why I'm preaching. I appreciate you taking me serious, but I want you to know whether you take me serious or not. I'm being dead serious, and we are in serious trouble, and it is up to this next generation to grab a hold of the gospel and take it into the world. And I have, I have worked with just about every kind of human being you can imagine. On the whole social scale, wealthy, poor, everything in the middle. There's not much of the middle left. I have taught prostitutes Bible studies, Brother Buxton. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm not saying it's right because it's not. It's wrong. I think it's wrong for somebody to sell their body for money. But we never stop and think that what's really wrong is that there's buyers. There's a marketplace for bodies. And it's not with crazy, whacked out, strange tribal people. Americans will line up. Americans will solicit services on the internet. Americans will drive down red light districts. Americans. I, I. You know what happens in an age of decadence? There is an overt fascination with food. I have one. (laughs) 
half the world is starving because of malnutrition, because of lack of food. And we are dying of diseases related to overeating. The only thing America has in common with starving countries is that we both fantasize about food. C.S. Lewis, in a seminal work written between 44 and 52, Mere Christianity, he begins to try to prod the European and really the American public regarding exhibitionism. And I, I hope I don't get in trouble for this, but, but here goes. What he's really talking about is strip clubs. And he says, how filthy and vile is it that people would go to a strip club to see somebody take their clothes off? And in order to try to add some maturity to the human body and sexuality, he says, just think of it. How weird it would be if people drooled over lamb chops and bacon. And little did he know that that day would come. Little did he know that, that in 2014 people would not be so much as able to eat a Dorito without taking a picture of it. We are, we are so indulgent. We have people that are food hobbyists. They're foodies. And we are so twisted and perverted in our, in our perception of food that now we talk about food porn. Hey, I don't know where you live, but I'm going to tell you where I live. Amen. The world is changing rapidly. And the United States of America is changing rapidly. And God is calling on young people here tonight to... Young person, I don't know what you came expecting on the first night of peak, but I'm going to tell you what I came expecting. I came expecting some young person to come to the altar tonight and accept the call of God. To come to the altar tonight and accept the demands of the gospel. To come to the altar tonight and pick their cross up. And some of you need to pick it back up. I feel like I'm preaching to a couple of young people. You've put your cross down. You've put your calling down because of the hypocrites in the church. You can't let a hypocrite take away your calling. You can't, I don't care if the hypocrite are your parents. You've got to go all the way with Jesus. There is a calling on your life and God is the man. Oh, Jesus. You know what? I... I, I make no apologies for being fanatical. I make no apologies for preaching to young people that they need to go all the way with Jesus. Hey, you know what? Peter did not ask Jesus, uh, let me try walking on water on the creek first. No, no, no. Peter said, let's just do it right here, right now, in the turbulence, uh, in the storm, uh, in the waves. Uh, I'll learn how to walk on water. I wonder if there's any young people that are willing to learn how to walk for God in a decadent, nasty, ungodly society. Don't ask God. Come on, I feel it right here on the first night. Jesus eight out of every ten Americans watches cooking shows 
It might surprise you. Rome, the Ottomans, the Greeks, the Spaniards, all of them when they entered the stages of decline had celebrity chefs. There would be less of us that could raise our hand in this auditorium and say, I don't know of one celebrity chef, than there are people who could name a celebrity chef. Because in the age of decadence, stuff that doesn't, shouldn't really matter, is all that matters. Something else, and it's going to get rough in here. I'm probably going to get more criticism from the people listening in on the radio than I will here. I'll get some here. But something else that happens in a time of decadence is the value of money goes down. And the government starts pushing money that's not really backed up on the people. Now, money doesn't really have to have a gold standard. I know some people might agree with or disagree with that, but I'm just telling you, it doesn't need to be that way. But there does need to be real money. There does need to be corn in the crib. Now, even in the days of Rome, the Romans, their, 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 their economy got so depleted that they started gold plating coins. And citizens would get home and rub those coins and the gold would come off and they'd find out they got, they got duped. But you know what the Romans did in order to occupy the citizenry is they had greater sporting events. The worse the economy, the better the sporting events. Hey, I'm telling you right now, the better the playoffs, the better the football, the better the Super Bowl, the more worried we ought to be. Because they are trying to oppress critical thinking. They are trying to get you to focus in more on LeBron James than your King James. They are trying to get you... And let's get something clear. Brother Prado don't preach against sports because he's chubby. And Brother Prado don't preach against sports to impress these men. God bless all these men. But I'll tell you why Brother Prado, Brother Prado preaches against sports. Because I want my mind on what really matters. I want my eyes on what really matters. Hey, I got news for you. Whether they win or they lose, that doesn't really matter. Whether they make it in the playoffs or not, that doesn't really matter. I feel bad for Pentecostal young people. Their parents are about to get divorced and all they can think about are football stats. I feel bad for Pentecostal young people that are half backslid and all they can think about. Hey, that's not... Whether they win or lose is it going to affect your life. What happens to your parents is going to affect your life. What happens in your life... I can already feel resistance. I'm telling you, young person, there's a devil out there. There's a system out there. There's a decadence out there that wants you focused in on dribble and nothing rather than on the important things. It wants... Hey. You know what? In Brazil, they just had the World Cup and the, and the government... 
amen, put the, the price tag of that World Cup on the citizens of Brazil. And there was a whole movement called the Contra Copa against the World Cup. And they rioted day and night. And Americans, we've lost so much passion. We've lost so much insight into real life. We're so detached from what really matters that we don't mind our taxes going up in order for a sporting event. We sit there and we drool and we dribble over it. And all the time God is wondering who's going to get plugged in. Who's... Come on. You know, you know what's going on right now, gentlemen? I'm preaching and there's kids that their, their cell phones right now are giving them updates uh, on the latest game. Huh? I'm not picking on you. Huh? I'm not ragging on you. Huh? You know what I'm doing? I'm inviting you huh, to be part of something more meaningful. I'm inviting you huh, to answer the call of God on your life. Huh? I, I just find it hard to believe huh, that God saved you huh, so that you can idolize a whoremonger. Huh? That God saved you huh, so that you can have your mind infiltrated huh, and full of things that don't matter huh? I believe that God saved you huh, so that you can get your mind huh, on the kingdom huh, and get your mind I don't even agree with the man but I, but I know enough of his material. Noam Chomsky looked at sports and he said, it's all exotic information. So what? Just junk. I'm not preaching against playing sports after, after, uh, you know, after the pizza party at the lock-in or whatever. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about this overt fascination. You see, idolatry, idolatry does not just entail worshiping false gods. It entails worshiping false devils too. And when I tell you that some of these sports players are devils, son, they're devils. They have... Oh, Brother Elder, I still remember the message you preached where you talked about that there are more Ill illegitimate children huh, fathered by NBA players huh, than there are players in the NBA. Huh. Each team has three strings. Huh. Amen. I don't know how many players play on a court, but I find it mind-boggling huh, that here is an institution huh, where these guys have kids left and right. Huh. Amen. They sleep left and right. Huh. They can get AIDS through promiscuity. Huh, and they they only get elevated more. What is wrong with us? What is wrong with us? What is wrong with us? I'm not preaching to the world. I'm preaching to us. We gotta. Come on, I need the help of every young person who really believes this. I need the help of some people that used to be on the Pop Warner team, but they're not on the Pop Warner team. I need the help of a couple of quarterbacks who now are in Bible quizzing. I need the...
want to cheer for a team that rapes women on the sidelines. I don't want to cheer for a team. I, you don't get it. I'm telling you, I'm not preaching this. Amen. To line up politically. This is not just me trying to shove politics down your throat. I'm telling you, young person, time is almost up. You're going to have to focus in on what really... Worship God for one second. I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost is talking right now. I feel so bad for pastors, Brother Copeland. They have young people leaving their churches, and every church has backsliders, all right? Every church has backsliders. But I feel so bad for pastors who preach this way, and they're backsliders. You know, now people don't backslide. They just go to another church. Let me tell you something. Going 25 miles down the line doesn't change the word of God. You can go to the next state, the next city, the next church. You can even change denominations if you want to. That ain't changing the word of God. I don't care what your mama says. I don't care what your daddy says. I said that. You don't change the word of God. I don't change the word of God. But I feel bad for pastors who who just a a few weeks after these people leave their churches are now all over Instagram at the the game. Amen. At the Giants game. At the Niners game. At the Raiders game. You know, looking so free. That is, you know what? If they will push that down your throat, I'm a shout too. If they can say it, then I can say this too. I'm not going to back off of it. I'm not going to back off of it. You need to get into it. You need to... sorry i'm sorry i'm not i know i know there's a whole flock of people here thinking politics 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 it's probably it's probably getting on twitter now twitter whoop 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 whoop. hey let me tell you something i don't want anything to do with the institution that molests children i'm not gonna shout for him if the coach is a pedophile he ain't getting my money he ain't getting my shout he ain't getting my attention This is what's really going on. This is what's really going on. They want to hide it. They want to sweep it under the rug. Amen. They had that college coach get in all kinds of trouble. Amen. For molesting kids year after year after year in the town. And the town began to fight and fuss. Not with the coach. Not with the man. Not with the pedophile. But with the college. I refuse to lose my good common sense. 
times are crazy. This world is perverted. Things are not going in the right direction. All you got left is your common sense. All you got left is your common sense. You've got to fight for it. You've got to keep it. You've got to fight for your sanity or else you cannot get caught up in the mob madness. You cannot... America is in the age of decadence. If you still don't believe me, we can do a little thought experiment here. If I were to ask everybody to shout back at me what the opposite of pain is, most people would say pleasure. But the opposite of pain is not pleasure, it's no pain. But we don't want no pain, we want to feel good. America makes up 4.6% of the world's population and we consume 80% of opiates or painkillers. That's over 100 million prescriptions a year. I can't tell you how many churches I preach in where saints of God haven't had a back pain in years, but they're still popping the Vicodin. They can't deal with the pain because they're caught up in the decadence. It's not enough for the back pain to go away. It's not enough for the stitches to heal. I feel like there's some young people here in this congregation. You have been popping pills. Let this ex-drug addict tell you, I will forever be grateful for the day that Jesus hung on Calvary's cross and they offered him a little bit, amen, of, of gall mixed with painkiller, amen, and he refused it. He held, he held life to the, to the throat and he said, I will take you on face first, eye to eye, no dope, no drug, no liquor. I will deal with you and all your brutal reality and then I will conquer you. I will... I won't. Can I preach to you that Jesus knew 2,000 years ago? I'm going to have a group of young people, amen, at Amplify 2014 that are going to need to have a God uh, that can deal with the brutal reality of life uh, that they can look to and say, Jesus, uh, you did this without a pill. You did this without a bottle. Uh, you did this without drugs. Uh, now help me to do it. Uh, help. Tonight, God is calling on young people to stand defiantly against decadence. God is looking for people tonight to jump headfirst into a walk with God. God is going to scan this auditorium in the next few moments and look for young people that will make a decision to come to the altar regardless of what their youth group does. Regardless of the dress they're wearing, the shoes they're wearing, regardless of the fact that their poof didn't come out right, regardless of the fact that it's the first night, 
Come on, young person, come on. There's nothing that says this cannot be the life-changing moment of your existence. There's nothing that says that this Wednesday night can't be the turning point. In I believe it can be. I believe it can be. I be but you're going to have to stand up and walk contrary. You're going to have to walk contrary. Now I'm going to preach. The beautiful thing about defiance is that God has given us some weapons of defiance. Weapons with which to have a holy rebellion. Now these weapons are multifaceted. They serve several purposes. But we're just going to talk about some of their purposes. One of the weapons of defiance that we have in these days is our dress. Modesty, modesty is a weapon of defiance. Modesty is a weapon that says, I don't go that way. We don't do that around here. I think differently. No, no, no. See, there's young people here that think modesty, that's what my pastor tries to shove down my throat. I'm sorry, you need to ask God to open up your mind and show you that you are actually defying world powers. You are actually standing up against... You're telling Hollywood, nah. You're telling pornography, nah. You're telling gangbangers, nah. You're telling the dope man, nah. You're telling gold diggers, nah. You're telling, you're telling greedy, perverted people, not me. I'm reminded of the story, true story, man goes to Africa. He was from here in the United States. He went on a motorcycle ride to Africa. And as he's driving out through Africa, he's in the middle of, of nowhere. And he sees this very dignified couple. They were obviously English, and they were out there having tea in a three-piece suit, lady in her Victorian dress. And he said, I, I had to like blink a few times to make sure I was seeing what I was seeing. He said, I got off my motorcycle looking all scruffy. He said, I walked up to them, and I began to ask them who they were. It come to find out they were these, these people that were doing some sort of, uh, you know, botany. They were, they were trying to find plants and all kinds of stuff. But the man said this, he said, just because we are in the jungle doesn't mean we should forget who we are. Oh, I wish, I wish you'd listen to this chubby preacher preach right down your alley. Just because we're living in the jungle doesn't mean we should forget who we are. I wish there were some folks that come out of here with your pinky up, sipping tea, talking about I'm a child. I'm a child of the king. I'm not a savage. I'm not an animal. I'm not some decadent, wild, undomesticated. You know, did you know in Hebrew the word for clothing or garment is beged? 
It's one of the only Hebrew words that has three letters in it. And it is the same word. You just change the vowel. And, it's, and I don't even have time to go into it. But the word for, for treachery or deception is boged. It's, they, they have the same roots. They come from the same words. And when you actually read your Bible, you'll find out that clothing and deception enter the world simultaneously. Betrayal and clothing come into existence at the same time. Because clothing either shows who you are or betrays who you are. I don't even have time to go through all the times in the Bible that betrayal and clothes come together. You've got to watch how you dress. You cannot... Hey, young lady, if you have a brain and a heart, don't betray that by dressing like somebody who does not have a brain and a heart. Hey, young man, if you... If you come from a good home and you got a decent mind, don't betray that by dressing like some thug. If you're not... If you're straight, don't betray that by dressing like a homosexual. Oh, it's going to get tight. But it's right. If you're an aisle-running, tongue-talking, Holy Ghost-filled child of God, don't betray that by dressing like some emo... You don't got to please nobody. You got to please Jesus. You don't got to. Come on. Come on. Defy that junk. I feel a little bit of resistance. You got to defy that junk. Why don't you open your mind and say, you know what? Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm tripping. Maybe I ought to listen to the man of God. have enough sense to not come to the classroom dressed like the kids and we have pastors coming up to the pulpit hey you know what let me tell you where Brother Prado was 15 years ago. Brother Prado was working in a tattoo shop, selling dope, messing up with gangs, doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And let me be the first to tell you, if I had had some Christian come up to me looking like me, I'd want nothing to do with him. I knew even as a sinner, I knew as a sinner before I ever had a Bible study, I can tell you where I was and what I was doing. I remember Pastor Young sitting in my bed one night and I said, you know what? If I become a Christian, all this has to go it's gotta go it's gotta go it's gotta go it's gotta go we 
read our Bibles to defy the indoctrination of this world. Yes, yes, yes. I'm, I'm preaching to every Bible quizzer here. I had a good talk with one last night. I've, I have several friends that were great Bible quizzers. And you know what? At the end of the day, it's not just about mouth muscles and memorization. You've got to let that stuff marinate inside your spirit or you'll be a Bible quizzer and a fornicator. You'll be a Bible quizzer. Hey, Bible quizzer. Hey, saint of God. We've got to get this word of God in our hearts. We... And we can't leave memorizing the Bible up to the Bible quizzing team. You've got to get it in your heart. The word of God is good for everyone. And if you don't get the word of God in your head, you're going to get somebody else's thoughts in your head. We go to church to defy to defy the wasting of time that is so prevalent in our society today. Yes, yes, yes. There is such a waste. Ladies, I'm going to need you to shout with me in a minute. There is such, young men are living in such an extended state of adolescence. It's not even funny. And, and you know what? I'm trying to preach. I'm trying to help the young ladies out because I can't tell you, Pastor Young, how many good apostolic young ladies I know and they can't even find anybody in their age class because they're playing Call of Duty because they're stuck on the Xbox. 25 years old, still don't got a job, still chilling at the house, still hiding. Be- You're getting a call to duty right now. You are getting a call to go get a J-O-B and get you a wife. Come on, leave the pornography alone. Put the video games away. You got one life to live. You got one life to live. You better make it count. You better. I'm preaching good. Go ahead. Hey, dude, the girls ain't lining up at the door. For a homie who's still driving around in mom's car. Hey, you just got into man land right now. Come on, this... I'm so tired of 25-year-old girls having to look for 40-year-old men and then we want to look at them strange when we're not raising... You know, Paul said, when I, was a, when I was a child, I thought as a child. And when I became a man, I put away childish things. He didn't say, hold on. He didn't say, when I was a child, I thought as a child and then I went into this teenager, basket-weaving, community college for 10 years. The only people that go to college for 10 years are called doctors. Come on, young man, I'm telling you right now, if you don't pony up and man up 
and get your stuff together, you're going to become a pervert. You're going to become a pervert. I'm telling you the gospel truth. I don't care what anybody tells you. I don't care what your professor at your basket weaving class tells you. There's people right now on the radio thinking I'm fanatic. You're right, I'm fanatic. I'm absolutely fanatic. Because... Because it's these good men of God that got to counsel these... That got to counsel these men acting like boys. You become a fornicator. Oh, it's tough. I, I feel a dagger eyes coming all up, on, up. And the girls ain't shouting with me. I'm telling you, if I was a single girl right now who's dealt with more than one loser, I'd be shouting with Chubby. I'd be getting my shout on right now with Chubby. I'd be like, dude is preaching. I'd be looking over at loser. getting nasty up in here. Go ahead. Yes. You got to understand unfaithfulness and wasting time is not the hook, it's the bait. A lot of people can never tell the difference between the bait and the hook. You better know the difference. Wasting your life away, that's the bait. The hook is you become lukewarm. And then God has to deal with you drastically. He has to start asking you to cut things off because when the body loses sensation, the only way to replenish sensation to the rest of the body is to cut off the members. If you cut off this arm, this arm becomes more sensitive. If you pluck out this eye, this eye starts seeing better. But you can keep your arm and your eye if you'll just jump into man land. how I know this you know how I know this because I used to do this before I got saved because I was in the decadent I remember I got saved I was so happy tongue talking shouting for Jesus living at mama's house and I'll never forget the day God dealt with me in a prayer meeting said get out and I thought no way mama does the laundry mama cooks food and I got a good Mexican cooking mama and you don't just walk out of that you don't just leave mama's tamales. I'll never forget. I told my mom, my loser self went up to mom, no job. Now I had had several jobs. At the time I was in, in a transitional period. You can call it whatever you want, dude. You are lazy. I don't care what your friend told you to put on the resume. Just go ahead and write it L-A-Z-Y. I told my mom, I said, I'm moving out. She said, what? I mean, she went down the list. Who's going to wash your clothes? Who's going to cook your food? 
you know all the stuff you don't do. But God had spoken to me, Pastor Buxton, and I said, I'm going to step out. And you know where I went to? I, went, we, we, I came out of a home missions church. They had a, they had a, they had a room in the back of the church where they kept all the speakers. Not preachers, speakers. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You think I'm kidding? I'm not joking. We rented, we rented this facility, and, the, and the, the owner of this facility would rent it out to anybody. I mean, there was crackheads living in the building. I'm not exaggerating. In the front part of the building, there were crackheads. It was a mess. And I lived in the back part of the building with the speakers. That's why I'm a speaker today. <laughs> Chill with the speaker, you become a speaker. But I refused to live beneath God's calling and God's ability. You know, at some point, he's got to be your provider. At some point, you got to put God to the test yourself and say, you know what? Either you're God or not. And I'm going to step out of my mama's house and believe that you're God. And I'm going to step out. Oh, I'm preaching so good. I'm trying to help. You know, I prayed all month. I said, God, help me to preach what pastors have been praying for. Help me to preach what parents have been praying for. And help me to preach what these young kids really need. I didn't come to rag on you. I didn't come to attack you. I am on your side. And I'm telling you, you got to... You you got to make a move. You got to make a move. You got to make a move. You, you got to trust God. You got to. We need to pray right here. Hold on. Because right now, there is a young man. There are several young men right now. I'm not kidding you. You can step in to a maturity and a development and an adulthood right now. I know, I know there's people right now thinking Brother Prado is out of his mind, partially. But I want you to know, there's, a, there's, there's flocks of people here that can tell you the service, the altar call, the prayer meeting, where they just grew up. And you know what else they'll tell you? It was hard. And you know what else they'll tell you? Jesus, help me. And you know what else they tell you? I've been young and now I'm old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken. God got me the car. God got me the wife. And now God... Come on, let's pray right here. Come on, mom and dad. Don't get mad at me because your little boy might leave. Help me pray. Come on. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in Jesus' name. Everybody shout in Jesus' name. I'm almost done. I have one more point, but let me, let me just give you this. 
Something you need to understand is that human beings were made to adapt. We can adapt. We have an amazing adaptability. It's, it's from God. We can live in the Amazon. We can live in the Ozarks. We can, live, we can live in the desert. I mean, we are incredible at adapting. We can live as high as Calgary and Colorado, and we can live down low. Amen. In San Francisco, I mean, we, we can adapt. But that adaptability can also keep you on the couch. That adaptability can keep you be- living at mom's house. I'm okay with this. I'm telling you, there's young people here, they're stuck. Their adaptability has now, it's like the honey in Proverbs. A little bit of it is good, too much of it, and you start vomiting. Yes. Adaptability and measure is good, but you gotta know, you gotta know how to how to you gotta know how to push yourself and make sure that your adaptability doesn't 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 engulf you, and all of a sudden you start putting up with stuff that God never intended for you to put up with. Eating top ramen and begging your parents for money and being a fornicator, and, and, and God brings young girl after young girl into your life trying to pull you out of that. And, and grown man after grown man, company owner after company owner in the church, without your parents telling them, gets a burden for you. I'm pr- I am reading mail hand paying for stamps. They'll come up to your son. I'll give you a job if you'll show up tomorrow. But you've adapted to staying up till three in the morning playing video games. You've adapted. You've adapted. You've adapted to being the squirmy little pervert who lives upstairs locked in his room and the parents never knock on the door. You've adapted and it's killing you. You've got to break out of it. You've got to break out of it. You've got to tell adaptability. It's gone too far. It's, I, I defy. I defy. Right here, right now, we need to give God a crazy praise and then surrender. closing one of your greatest weapons in defying decadence one of your greatest weapons of defiance is your money now I gotta be careful how I preach this because number one (laughs) I've chaperoned enough youth groups at youth conventions that I know that somebody will come up here and give all their money and then we gotta pay for your meal every night I don't know. But I refuse. We, see, we don't preach money to kids because we think we don't have it. Well, tell, tell all the toy companies kids don't have money. 
I'm not almost that done. I'm sorry, I'm the worst guy to... I'm not even trying to... Uh, I'm just difficult to play for. And every industry, every industry targets children because children do have money. Well, their parents do. And nobody can extract money like a child. Even a 30-year-old one. Hey, that's good preaching. You see, society, society has given money all kinds of names it doesn't deserve. Bread, dough. Let me tell you something. If money is bread, man shall not live by bread alone. Let's do this. Joseph, Joseph is betrayed by his brothers. And you'll notice, just to go back to my point, betrayal and clothing all throughout Joseph's life. Coats being ripped, betrayal. All the same. But he's betrayed by his brothers. His brothers come back several years later and they find him. They don't know it's him, but there's a famine in the land, Nathaniel. And they start, they start asking for Joseph. They say, we need corn. And he says, I got it. And he sells them bags of corn. And he says, here's the price. And he takes their coins. But he sends their coins back with their corn. He puts the money back in the bag. He does this to them two times, Brother Copeland. And when they get home, they open up the corn to find the coins. And Joseph's trying to make a point. It ain't about the money. I'm telling you, I want to tear through this spirit. I do not feel bad for you if you spent all your money to get here. I I am not going to be crying for you if you give an offering that hurts you financially. I am not going to, you are looking at one preacher. they're, They're the devils on some people's back right now telling them, look at you, look at you. You spent all your money to get to peak and when you go home, you fixing to be broke. You ain't even got no money. This is silly. It's not even worth it. Hey, I got news for you. The devil is a liar and God loves a cheerful giver. It ain't about the money. It's about the relationships it's about my brother and my sister and being around other young people that love God it's about God and I cannot pay enough I cannot give enough to be at the altar call on Wednesday night I cannot pay enough tells us where your treasure is there will your heart be also you've got to give until you send a signal out to hell it ain't all about the money
You need to be a tither, not a tipper. We got too many kids tipping and they ain't tithing. I don't care if your toothless grandma gives you 20 bucks, you better drop two of it and 50 cent. Or there's gonna... You gotta hear me, young person. I'm telling you, you gotta start stacking up the blessings now. You gotta, you gotta start defying the decadence of this age that wants to waste its money on perversions, on all kinds of filth. You need to send a signal out to the spiritual powers of this age and say, not me, not me. It's not about. A lot of young people don't understand the difference between 10% and a tithe. 10%, you can give 10% at any point in your paycheck. A tithe is different. Embedded into the tithe is first fruits. Before, before you pay your Getro phone bill. Before you... Before you buy a new app, before you buy that Prada purse, before you buy that Gucci purse, you need to take 10% of that and wave it before Jesus and wave it before Jesus and let this world know I don't live by money. Money don't... remember I'm, I'm closing I'm closing I remember I remember one time I was broke I was I just started living for God and I was teaching Bible studies all over the place because that's what Christians do I was teaching Bible studies I found me a Bible study with this lady from New Jersey. She was, she was uber wealthy. She had all kinds of money. She had cars. But you know what else she had? She had a heroin drug addict daughter. And she could not fix that girl for all the money she had. But Brother Prado had a search for truth chart. Yes, he did. And Brother Prada would teach Search for Truth. I messed it up, but I taught it. And I'm telling you, that word of God started getting in that heroin addict kid. And what therapy couldn't do, Bible study did. But this lady lived miles away from me. I mean miles. And I would drive to her house. I had a car. Yeah, I had a car that somebody in the church had given me. Because I remember I left mama's house. So mama wasn't providing the car no more. So I got to praying and praying. And God gave me a car. And I, would, I told God, I will use this car to teach Bible studies. You give me a car, God. And I'll use it for the work of God. You get a car and backslide. That's...
I started teaching my Bible. But one day, one day, my car was out of gas. It wasn't even on E, it was on T for thirsty. Some of y'all never seen the T, it's right behind the E. My tank was on thirst. And I got up that morning really depressed. I mean, I, I was praying and crying and telling God, you know, I ain't got no money. And today's Bible study day with Kathy. I got to go teach Bible study. And God said, go. And I said, no. We ain't getting there. And so I kept praying and crying. And God said, get up and go. I said, you got it. Laid hands on the car. Put the key in. Car started. We're doing good. Started driving down the road. And there was this little lady standing on the corner. And she jumped out off the corner. And I didn't want to stop because I didn't know if the car would start again. (laughs) But I figured if I hit her, that wasn't too Christian. So I stopped. And she ran up to my car. She said, little Italian woman, she said, roll down the window, roll down the window. So I rolled down the window. She says, where are you going? And I'm not kidding. This is just me. I'm still, you know, kind of praying through. I'm thinking, none of your business. (laughs) And so I tell her, I said, I got to drive over a couple miles. I got to go. You know, the car may not start. What do you want? She said, I want a ride. She said, it's cold, it's raining, and my feet hurt. And if you give me a ride, I'll give you gas money. I jumped out, opened up the car door for her, put the seat belt on. (laughs) I got out and started ghost riding the whip. Hey, I'm telling you right now, if you're faithful to God, he'll be faithful to you. If you'll put, you don't got to be afraid to give it all. You don't got to be afraid to live life on the edge. You don't got to be afraid to live outside the decadence. You don't, hey, when you ain't got nothing, nobody can take nothing away. When you got, when you give it all, the devil has nothing to take. When you give it all, the world has nothing to take. When you give it all, moth and rust cannot corrupt. Come on. It's on. That's the altar call. I don't have a poem. I can't even sing. Come out of the shadows of decadence. And come under the shadow of Jesus Christ. Come on. Come on. 
If the person in front of you don't want it, scoot them over and get up here. If the people 10 seats over don't want them, scoot them over and get up here. If all you can do is find a chair to pray, pray. Give myself away. 